as we people of Earth stretch our chocolate and nacho-stained fingers up towards the stars. It's time to reflect on the first piece of highly undervalued real estate we're going to get our grubby mitts on out there in the cosmos. The moon. For ages, we've gazed up at it and wondered, What's that thing? Is it a hole in the sky? It looks pretty beat up. Did God forget to finish it? Why does it get smaller through the course of the month? Is it a giant cheese being eaten bit by bit by a hungry dog who's hoping we won't notice? Bowser, get off the sky. Bad dog. And then it grows back again. What's that about? Well, whatever the moon may have been to us before or is to us now, in the future, it'll just be home. Coming to you from the future through a hole in the space-time continuum that hasn't been patched yet due to a lack of infrastructure funding, it's time for Tales from the Moon in Stereo Sound Division. Brought to you by Goomchut King, authentic Martian Goomchut cooked in the traditional manner. As the old Martian saying goes, space is not for the weak of stomach nor the faint of heart. Diners take full responsibility for any adverse reactions. This is Eric T. Brandenburg, your tour guide on this journey through space and time. On this, our inaugural episode of Tales from the Moon, we're going to tune into the future to listen in on what will prove to be one of the most important events in the history of the human race. Lucky for us, it happened to take place during a morning drive-time radio show on the moon, and the station signal is very strong. So grab a cold one and settle back into a comfy chair suitable for journeying through time as we tune into a signal from the future and find out what we are all going to get up to hundreds of years from now. Out in outer space. Good morning, Beto Bay! And a great big Beto Bay shout-out to all our listeners on the moon, the space stations, Mars, the asteroids, the moons of Jupiter and Saturn, and all the ships in space. And happy A-Day! Should you actually wish anyone a happy A-Day, Skip? Probably not. Anyway, it's time for the Wayne and Skipper Show on the Beto Bay Breakfast Blast. Compliments to the makers of Beto Beer. Drink Beto Beer, the finest beer in the cosmos. We're coming to you on LKOJ Beto Bay, Beto Crater, the moon. The real big moon. Not one of those teeny-weeny wannabe moons out there who can take them seriously. Except no substitutes. First thing, Wayne, I think we should talk to some Martians. We're entering into the two-year close approach to the Red Planet, and that means that their ships will be docking any day now. Mother Moon is bracing for the biennial Martian invasion. Just think, one day soon you'll wake up to a bunch of gangly, pale-looking Martian tourists stumbling around and low-G bumping into things, gawking, barfing into recyclers, and taking snaps. As their ships start into their final approach, we should give those folks a Class A lunatic welcome, don't you think? I see there's a call in from the cruise ship, the Empress of Sidonia. It's just a day or so out of Port Armstrong. Let's give them a shout. Oh, hello. You're on the Wayne and Skipper Show on the Beat Up Breakfast Blast from the Moon. This is Wayne. Who's this? This is Raymond. Hey, guys. Can you recommend any good places to eat in Armstrong once we land? Well, Ray, just look for the sign out front that says they serve Beto beer and you can't go wrong. But be sure to check your bill at the end of your meal because there are a pack of thieves up there in Armstrong and you can't trust any of them. Where are you from on the Red Planet, Raymond? Uh, High Station 6. It's a little town. Just down the tube from Muskville. Sounds charming. Good news, Ray, is that I'm sure that after the reconstituted swill you guys get on Mars and have been eating on that ship for months on your way here, anything they serve you up in Armstrong will seem like a feast. And by the way, once you land, if you look out the window and see a lot of gray outside instead of red, don't worry. 
that's normal. This everything's gotta be red thing you guys on Mars are so big about. Well, uh, okay. Now, Wayne, that's not fair. About Martian food, I mean. I was going to say, I think our food is really quite... I'm sure the Martians don't notice how bad their food is. That darn red dust just gets into everything. Makes it taste like iron. They're used to it. Anyway, their taste buds are probably affected by all the... Radiation. Just saying. Wow. You guys are even worse than people said. I'm going to file a complaint with the Solar System Communications Commission. You go ahead and do that, Ray. Bye. And I see we have a caller on the line from Tranquility City up on the Sea of Tranquility. We haven't talked to a tranquilizer in a while, so maybe they'll be calmer than the usual riffraff we get first thing in the morning. We live in hope. Hello, Tranquility. What's your name, Looney? One small step for men. Uh, hi, this is Bob. Look, you guys... A-Day is a very solemn occasion. I'm, I'm surprised you're not down at the memorial. I really think you should be showing some respect, taking some time to reflect when you think of all those people that... And that's one giant leap for boredom. My God, why does everybody have to be so dour? Why don't we just leave the A-Day topic alone, Wayne? People are liable to get touchy. Anyway, speaking of ancient history, I was thinking... I'm not sure you want to be doing a lot of that, Skipper. But I think I know what you were about to say. In recognition of today's focus on history, what we should do is pay tribute to our own dear Captain Harry Dito. It was 311 standard years ago, just a year to the day after A-Day, that Captain B set out on his legendary scouting hoppity-hop on the surface. The lunar south polar colony near death from dehydration and starvation, and everyone near to giving up hope, poor things. It was on that day that our brave, fearless Captain B had the presence of mind, or lack of it, to put his foot in just the wrong place on the rim of the crater which now bears his name, and take his now famous long fall. How many meters was it he fell, Skipper? Fifty? A hundred? A hundred and fifty? A gazillion? Anyway, it was a hell of a long way down. Enough of a distance for him to bust his tailbone on landing, and for all you spinners out there on the space stations with your fancy constant simulated gravity, well, let me tell you. On the moon, breaking your ass by just falling down on the ground is quite a feat. I mean, you really have to work at it. Finish the story, Wayne. So anyway, said busted tailbone just happened to smash through a crust of dust that had been hiding the single largest deposit of water ice ever found on Luna, the now famous southern polar mother lode. And boys and girls on that very spot where his rear end once found that enormous lake of ice that stretched for kilometers off in the lava tubes in all directions and saved us all, that, my friends, is where your dear Wayne and Skipper are sitting on their own posteriors right now, snug and comfy on the shores of Beto Bay, in the beautiful Beto Crater Dome named in his honor. And to remind us of his sacrifice, Wayne and I have a sculpture of Captain Beto's moon-suited ass hanging up on the studio wall where we can see it and reflect on it every day. Wouldn't he be proud to see us now, Skip? gazing up at it worshipfully, and then looking out our window at all that water and the green shore and the trees and the giant dome above us painted with that tacky, stupid blue sky and some white things on it that look like... What are those supposed to be, Skip? Balls of white fiber or something? They're supposed to be clouds as seen from below, Wayne. You should have come to science class once or twice. Whatever, but a blue sky, really? Was that a thing? Mrs. Hockenbach in science class said it was. Wayne, way back when, I guess people got nostalgic. Anyway, getting back to Captain B. Gratitude, Wayne. Yes, gratitude, Skip. Our dear Beto Bay. 
It may be chock full of cutthroat, stupid lunatics who don't shower often enough, but we love it even so. Wayne, there's another call in from an approaching cruise ship. This one's from the Star of Jupiter. Now, that's a stupid name. Isn't that just like the Jovians trying to lord it over everyone else? Anyway, Jupiter is not a star. It's just a big ball of worthless gas that has far too many moons orbiting around it full of far too many strange people. And don't get me started on Saturn. Speaking of wannabe lunatics on moons hardly worth the name. I mean, really. Judging by some of the mail we get from there, I'd say those folks on Titan are sniffing a bit too much of that ethane in their atmosphere before they hit the keyboard. And somebody should scoot on over there and do a wellness check. What were we talking about? Right, the caller says he's from Pallas in the asteroid belt and is traveling with a large group of friends. They must have hitched a ride when the Jupiter star stopped off at Ceres. The ship has been in all the ports of calls since then on its way to Mother Moon. Mars, then on to the big spinners, which reminds me, Wayne, it's about time for our vacation rotation out to Clark Station to have some of that sweet G-force suck the fluids out of our brains. I don't know about you, but I'm feeling a tad puffy. Anyway, the Jupiter star's last stop was Hudson Station, so we should be careful on this next call. They could be all tooted up on some of that duty-free Hudson happy <laughs> juice, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Gotta say, the Hudsonians may be short, hairy, ugly, and loud, but they do know how to have a good time. Let's give them a shout. Hello, this is the Greater Luna Tourist Board. Welcome. When you arrive, spend lots of money. Uh, hey, we're here with quite a large group from Pallas and some folks from Enceladus, Titan, Mars, and the big spinners as well. There's quite a lot of us gathered around the calm. Great, we love a crowd. And we've all been listening to you guys for weeks now, most every day. Your signal is so strong that the radio guy says it practically burns a hole through the receiver. Anyway, you can only play so much zero-G shuffleboard and the views are bored, and we've all seen the floor shows like 500 times. Just saying, those are the only reasons we tuned into you guys. Anyway, we just have to ask, are either of you married or in a long-term relationship? I feel a wedding proposal coming on, Wayne. Maybe with one another, because if you are a couple, that would probably be for the best. None of us, male or female, gay, bi, straight, android, cyborg, cyborg, curious, or anything in between, could imagine anyone else tolerating either of you guys for more than, like, a couple of minutes. Well, I'm terribly upset. What about you, Skip? Mortally, I'm so depressed, I think I'll go for a brace and walk up top without my hat. And we uh, managed to scrounge up some Vita beer here on the ship. They didn't have much. It's not like there's a lot of demand for it. And I can see why the Beetle Beer Company would hire you guys to burn a hole through the electromagnetic spectrum across the entire solar system trying to pump up their product because we passed the bottle around and everyone took a sip and we all agreed it really did taste like... Well, that's enough of that. Why, the whole lot of them's drunk on Beetle Beer. Well, outer system people, what do you expect? Civilization stops at the orbit of the moon. There, I said it. Looks like we have a call from Observatory Bob, Wayne. No, no Observatory Bob today. He'll just want to get us all depressed with boring A-Day historical crap. He's probably down at the memorial, ready for the big collective boo-hoo. Honestly. Well, maybe he just wants to talk about the lights, Wayne. What lights are those, Skip? Why, are those mysterious lights some people have been seeing, you know, down there. 
This is a fact-based show, Skip. We don't go in for a lot of nonsense about ghosts or the monster on sub-level 51 or some lights people say they've seen on a dead, gray, lifeless ball in the sky. They're just bored and have been staring at the thing for too long. Well, there is less cloud cover than there used to be, Wayne. Quite a bit of blue now, if you hadn't noticed, and less white on the land. And they do say when it's night down there and there's just the right sort of gap in the clouds, you can see a few lights. Even Bob says so, and... And I've seen the pictures. Heck, I, I think I even saw a light down there myself a few weeks ago. And next you'll be telling me you saw a UFO. You know how easy it is to fake pictures, Wayne? Or maybe what you saw was a forest fire. I'll grant you, they do say there's a good deal of vegetation down there now, enough to burn up again anyway. And okay, let's say you're right. Little dots of light. So what? It could be ice, salt deposits, meteor strikes, or whatever. What are you saying? It is signs of intelligent life down there? After the firestorms and the tsunamis and then a winter that's lasted, what, over 300 years? We've discussed this, as you know, Skip, many times. We've even had contests to figure out what sort of crazy, wild, half-human critters could still be scuttling around down there in the snow. Monster men covered with insulating scales who gnaw the moss off frozen rocks, maybe? Blind, squishy mole people hang out in caves, tending bat ranches. Who knows? One thing I will tell you, if there was anyone left down there, they'd have to be awfully strange. Anyway, to heck with Observatory Bob today. He's boring except when he brings us pretty pictures of the stars to put up on the stream for our listeners, and I'm sure he won't have any of those today, so I say no Bob today. Just saying I saw a lot, Wayne, that's all. Whatever. Time to check out the situation outside the studio. We used to have a glass wall so we could look outside, but, you know, there were some incidents and we had to break it up. Boo-boo! How are we looking outside this morning? We got a good-sized crowd today, Wayne. About 40 people. And how's their mood? About usual. 60% pissed off, 10% worshipful. The rest are just tourists who want you to say hi to their moms. Wonderful. Any good protest signs? Well, a few new ones. Uh, Wayne and Skip are a menace to humanity. Not entirely imaginative there. And there's Beetle Bay disavows the Beetle Blast. I guess someone's been hitting the old dictionary implant. Good for them. Ah, uh, here's an odd one. Answer the call from the observatory. It's very important. Well, that's new. It's being held up by a few guys in white lab coats. I guess they're scientists. Scientists. Always starved for attention. I have this image in my head of a lot of nerdy little kids sitting in a corner talking to rocks because all the other kids think they're boring. Okay. We'll talk to Observatory Bob, but not for long, and we probably need to provide another history lesson first since Bob always seems to assume that people know stuff. So, as an educational service to our listeners who may not have paid any attention in class, Skip, what exactly does the A in A-Day stand for? I nodded off in history myself, Wayne. Was it, uh, arg? Or, uh, absolutely the worst day ever? Or, uh, ah, crap? Ah, man? How did all our telescopes and satellites miss that enormous thing coming our way? I think the A stands for asteroid, Skip. I think you're right. Hey, that was dead air, Skip. People will wonder where we've gotten to. I guess we'll just have to say it was our... A-Day moment of silence. Okay, let's put Bob on, if he's still there. Hey, guys. Hey, Bob. Guys, we have a system uh, that monitors all the radio frequencies from down below, and this morning we got a hit. Uh, what do you mean? You got a transmission from the Earth? Is this some sort of a prank? 
because if it is Bob, I have to say, this is a day, and that would be in extremely bad taste. No, no, no prank, I swear, and... So it's an old solar power beacon that thought out decided to say hello. Big deal. No, shut up. It isn't a beacon. It's an honest-to-God transmission. And there's, there's a person on the other end, a number of people, actually. Uh, one main guy. He's, he's hard to understand. The, the language has changed a bit, and they have a message they want us to give to you guys. They've been hearing your broadcast for years, and your signal is awfully strong. They say it comes in clearer than most anything else. Uh, they only just been getting their own transmission infrastructure together. Well, that's amazing. One of the first messages from the Earth, and... It's to us? We're, we're honored, Bob. I, I mean that. Really. I, I, I don't know what to say. Seriously. Look, Wayne, don't get too... Y you know, you should know. Their message is pretty short. What is it? They said you should stop talking. What? That's it. Just tell them to stop talking. Well, that's certainly not very... They say things have been really hard down there. Really, really rough. For a really long time, and... As soon as they got radios working again, they started hearing you guys doing, well, you know, what you do. And they said that uh, if you say anything more bad about them or about what happened to them, if, in fact, you talk about Earth, that's what they call the Earth now, apparently, ever again, they would never forget it. Things have been moving slowly down below, but they're picking up pace. They want to get a program together with folks out here to drop supplies and see if there isn't some way to engineer rockets again to land down there and then move goods and people on up to orbit. They have huge amounts of resources for trade. Uh, first, though, they said they have, they have to resolve this, what do they call it? This coolat you've caused. This what we've caused? A coolat? What the heck's a coolat? It's just a word they used, coolat. I, d I don't know what it means. Is that like an insult or what? They, s they said it doesn't mean insult, really. They said it, there's no point in trying to explain to a non-Earthling what it is. You gotta be down there, I guess. Coolat? It doesn't sound like anything. So it's, it's what, some kind of primitive tribal nonsense? I mean, what kind of... Wayne, I think we should... Crazy, subhuman, fanatic bozos after 300 years in some freezing bunker or whatever would make that their opening statement. You have violated our sacred honor. Great Kulad is offended. Gee, whatever happened to Hey Guys, Been a While, or What Hath God Wrought, or Anything Happened While We Were Gone, or Wayne, great. So here's what I have to say to that. You listen to me down there? Ert is a frozen, lice-covered ice ball, and you're a bunch of backward, crazy, bucktooth mole men who can't even speak proper lunatic. How's that? Wait a moment, guys. What? Okay. What? What did they say? That's it. That's what they said. They just said, okay. So, fine. What happens now? They say, coolad. I say, cowlad. I say, big whoop. What are they going to do, build the galaxy's biggest slingshot and lob a snowball at me? What are they saying now? Nothing. They're talking about trade now, technology. That's it? They said they don't need to talk about it anymore. It's done. I think it's time we went to a commercial. Wait, Skip. Okay, Bob. So, so you can pass on to those squinty-eyed, stoop-shouldered, big-talking bat ranchers down there that if they really mean it, they can come on up here and show me. What do they say to that? They can hear everything you say, Wayne. What? They just said, okay, again, and we will. And 20 years later to the day, just as Wayne and Skipper were going into their first morning break, 
the people of the Earth in an explosive message heard quite literally across the entire solar system did just that. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Tales from the Moon. If you're curious to hear more about future lunar culture, how the Earthlings and the people of the moon get on after a rather rough reacquaintance, and what exactly happened to, well, all of us on Earth back in the past, tune into our next episode of Tales from the Moon, which should appear in roughly two weeks. And if you feel enlightened by this podcast and think it might lead to the cultural betterment of others, please tell a friend. This is Eric T. Brandenburg signing off until next time. To keep up with events on the moon, go to www.talesfromthemoon.com. And you can follow us on Twitter at Moontail Podcast and on Facebook at Tales from the Moon Podcast. Tales from the Moon is produced, written, and performed by Eric T. Brandenburg. Thanks to zapsplat.com for the music and sound effects. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved.